Hi, welcome to the Understanding Politics podcast. I'm Alexander Timothy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Williams. Let's get Brandonian. Today, we're going to be continuing our discussion of the presidency of President Biden. Um, so what we're going to be starting with is uh, Build Back Better. And Michael, do you have anything you'd like to say about Build Back Better to start? Yeah. So if you're a congressional nerd like me, this was uh, one of the great uh, historical debates over policy in the Biden presidency. And of course, in the beginning of the Build Back Better saga, as I like to call it, you had uh, the Bernie Sanders $6 trillion plan that uh, guaranteed socialized health care and free houses for the homeless. And no, no. But, it, but it guaranteed um, free public college tuition, uh, other stuff like that, uh, guaranteed fixing Social Security till 2070. Uh, it had some other elements in it, uh, bringing back the child tax credit, you know. Uh, basic stuff like that. Biden ran on 3.5 trillion, and then we ended up going to 1.75 trillion, and then we had the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which we talked about in the last episode. And progressives tried to decouple, um, or the moderates tried to decouple the two. They were successful in that. The bipartisan infrastructure bill ends up passing. The Build Back Better uh, does not get through the Senate. Uh, Mansion pretty much stonewalls, you know, limiting drilling for fossil fuel companies, uh, investments in uh, climate change uh, technologies. Um, he also stops another child tax credit from coming through, uh, universal, pre-care, universal pre-K, affordable child care. Something uh, Bernie Sanders was really behind was uh, making sure that dental, hearing, and prescription drugs was in Medicare. Uh, There was also a lot of spending, too, for Amtrak. Uh, Joe Biden's really famous with uh, Amtrak and making sure that uh, the government, the public sector, tries to build up uh, transportation to try to solve the uh, climate crisis. So all these great policies that were on the table for Democrats, kind of uh, the uh, Democratic Manifesto, as they would say in other countries, uh, they didn't really get any of those bills passed. And... uh, We'll talk about later in the episode, but they kind of got some of that in the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, didn't go as far because the economy was slipping. Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating was slipping. Um, I think I think you could uh, tie a correlation to Build Back Better not getting passed and Joe Biden's approval rating is actually going down. I've seen uh, there were a lot of polls in 2020 and 2021 saying that Six out of 10 Americans support at least something in the Build Back Better Act, uh, seven out of 10 maybe. It, it was, there was something for everyone in it, whether you were a small business owner, whether you were a working class person, whether you were you know, an owner of a corporation. Um, it was just kind of an all around approach to um, just trying to inflate the economy to give everyone more spending power and trying in a more Keynesian way to solve the disaster that we're in because of the Ukraine and Russian war and uh, supply chains being decreased. We are trying to increase, uh, it was more protectionist bill in trying to increase our supplies at home. So I wonder uh, what Alex thinks about uh, Joe Biden's approach to uh, trying to curtail Joe Manchin and uh, some, of, some of his antics. Well, should should a Joe Biden have kicked Manchin off of some committees 
Manchin is the chairman of the energy committee. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, we could do a whole episode <laughs> on that. But, uh, you know, I think Joe Biden likes to make himself this, you know, this great communicator figure. Right. That's what he wants. He wants to be the compromise, the Unitarian, that sort of thing. But he didn't, he, he did, he, sometimes he doesn't take enough action. And I think that this is one of those times where he needed to play harder with with mansion he needed to uh kind of in some ways put his foot down for this bill and, and not have you know basically this 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 smaller group that uh of of mansion and and other folks who are not so much in favor of it you know get their way because you know it, it doesn't have to be that way yeah it, it really doesn't so what you think though if Say if they got some of these universal pre-K, if they got some of these spending proposals through, the thing is, would they would they have got enough revenue to pay it back? Would that's the thing. Say if Mansion mm. is on board with universal pre-K, but he doesn't want to raise the corporate tax rate. It's like sometimes you know Mansion isn't even really that great with the deficit himself, or even he's supposed to be this big debt hawk in the Senate, and he won't, but he won't, he won't tax businesses and corporations or he won't, he won't try to tax the wealthy because he has a different view on the economy than Joe Biden does. I also think to your point, Joe Biden just doesn't, doesn't really know. He kind of, that's it. He wants to be the uniter. He literally like is listening to the best ideas that comes out of the people's mouths around him. I don't think he really has an ideology, you know, I think he's kind of just like, well, Obama went this way, and I can go a little bit farther because now it's twenty twenty. Yeah. Uh, it's a different yeah. year. Uh, if you're if you're someone in the Democratic Party, you're probably thinking demographic trends are changing. You know, we're trying to reach towards this like Democratic supermajority. I think I think Joe Biden really didn't have like a crazy. I think this was. This is supposed to be his attempt at a, at a new deal, pretty much. Yeah, and, and it, it kind of wasn't that great. Yeah. For back for for like I mean, Inflation Reduction Act was was a little bit more successful in that regard, but um, yeah, I mean, Joe Biden just like you said, he he just kind of acts on the will of like maybe what other people in the party want or what he thinks the party wants. And and he, he doesn't really have his... His agenda is just, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. But then if you look, he, he has so many promises he's made that that haven't come to fruition that you kind of wonder how much of it does he intend to do and how much of it is just rhetoric. Yeah. I, I want to propose this to you, take the opposite side. Um, you could look at these economies in Europe they have more public services that are run by the government and their inflation was nearing the 10, 11%. We're at 7% now, but they, their inflation is, is, you know, four or five more points uh, compared to us. So say if government did try to come in and make public college tuition free, or if they tried to make universal pre-K, um, would that have added more to the inflation? And I think there's a strong argument behind that in the conservative move that this wasn't the right time to be spending more money. No matter how Keynesian you are, this is kind of a time to pull back the purse strings. Um, I think 
I think that's why a lot of us wanted Bernie in 2020 was because we were coming off of this roaring economy off of COVID. And I think we, you know, the American Rescue Plan was going to be a good, uh, was going to save us from the pitfalls of COVID, kind of like the, the, the similar bill in 2009 that Obama passed. But it just, it hasn't worked out the same because of Russia, because of supply chains, because of corporate greed. Um, it just, you know, we're, we're in a much different time. So I think, I don't know, I kind of, uh, as someone, you know, who leans more to the left, I look at this bill and I think, great, everything's perfect. You know, like this would be ideal for me as someone who's, you know, comfortably yeah. on the left. Yeah. But now looking, having 2020 as hindsight, having this, how the economy rolled out, you kind of, you look at some of these proposals and you think, whoa, the government spending another $2 trillion, that, that could have been really dangerous. Um, we could have had even more inflation. So I mm. just wonder, what, what do you think about that argument? Well, I, I see your points. I, I'm one to argue with myself, so, so I definitely see your points, and that's valid. But uh, I would say that there was going to be inflation anyways. It could have been worse. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think that the situation we're in now is is not great. I think that, to your point, adding uh, more money onto the or more two trillion more dollars onto the deficit would not have been great. Uh, but uh, from the other hand, Biden getting uh, you know getting more things passed that were more uh, progressive, like like the universal pre K, for for example. Uh, going to the midterms could have been uh, a little bit better for Democrats uh, because yeah. he, he he if he had if he had a lot more to run on if the Democrats were kind of riding a wave of success uh, that they really didn't have because um, in the midterms they were kind of just running on uh, uh, you know uh, abortion issue and Republicans are crazy. I mean, that's that's kind of most of the issues yeah. because they didn't really have anything that they could super like tout and be like, okay, this is great. We, we mm. did this. We're we did this. Mm. Great. No, the Chips Act. That's, okay, we have that. Yeah, well, that. that's huge. Uh, Inflation Reduction Act. Those yeah. were those were bills that Build Back Better was supposed to do, which which was what I was going to say. I think it's a false equivalency to compare an American Rescue Plan to Build Back Better because the American Rescue Plan was a stopgap to stop the economy from going into free fall, to build artificial trust in the private sector, to restore it to where it was before COVID. And that worked. Uh, we paid the price of 3% inflation, uh, basically. But I think the Build Back Better was supposed to be government spurring public investment in different things like green energy and education and even some of these public transit, stuff like that trying to spur innovation in there so private sector can come in and do their job because now it's cheaper, they can go and invest in these different sectors. And that's, and that's where I think um, if you're someone who you know, doesn't buy the inflation argument as much, if, if the American government had reduced their deficit, I think, I think there's a logical argument here to be made that if we increase the top marginal tax rate, and if we increase the corporate tax rate to what it was under Obama, we'd be in the plus right now. Mm. And we could still make these investments needed. And it's a different way in the economy to take to take money from the richest and try to reinvest it 
and then to try to have you know another dot-com bubble you know to try to innovate to try to you know be creators in the market because ultimately if the goal in the goal in the chips act is to try to you know make more stuff in america try to um break away from china try to you know still be the richest country in the nation over china without <laughs> uh, quite frankly uh installing an authoritarian regime and having a forced labor and still having human rights um <laughs> i think i think what we're trying to get at is uh the government uh me and alex we believe that the government has to come in and try to spur uh, public investment in different sectors that the private sector is not doing well enough right now and it's kind of corporate greed, stock buybacks, um, a lot of different things that um, I, quite frankly, I'm not too like educated on. But if you go, if you go to experts who study Congress, you know, listen to some people like Ryan Grimm, people that are really good with the ins and outs of Congress, um, you'll see that a lot of these billionaires, you know, they get they get the money, and there's a lot less philanthropy besides you know the small business owner who gives you a nice bonus after christmas it just mm. it just I, it's just not the case the the data that i see so i think that's something that the chips act did really well but biden had a chance here with build back better to really spur public investment in climate change something that the green new deal at its heart was trying to do which again the green new deal is nothing really i mean no one's no one's going to pass it and it's a 14 page bill that said you know we believe climate change is an imminent threat and let's do something about it i think this is what it's trying to say is government doesn't have to solve climate change but it can spend money in the right places to create incentives for businesses to direct their power to solve climate change instead of government taking it over and America falling out of power as a hegemonic power in the world, you could say. Mm. Uh, what do you What do you think, Alex? No, I, I agree mostly with that. I mean, you, you're you're more more economically inclined than I am, but most of what you said, <laughs> most of what you said is uh, I'm not in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So because I think I'm with you. I, this is just a broader statement. I don't want to get too off topic, but I think the problem is we we have a spending problem. We also have a revenue problem. So. I think that's just one way to address it. Uh, what else do we... Oh, expanded Pell Grants. Uh, that's something we can easily get behind. Um, I think there's a moral imperative there to make sure that people who have stellar grades, you know, and they come from poor families that can't afford to go to college, they should have the right to get a four-year degree. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, then Inflation Reduction Act. Um, so 87,000 more... IRS agents. Um, oh my God! What do you think? Can we just talk about for a second the 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 rights reaction to that? <laughs> Defund the IRS. <laughs> I mean, that was that was a little bit silly. But defund the FBI. Oh, defund yeah. the FBI. Who, who's radical that. now? <laughs> who's radical now? Uh, but but you know that that's a little editorial comment from us. Um, in all seriousness, I mean. What, what are these, in my opinion at least, I don't really know what it, the, the IRS agents are going to do other than go after maybe like people. They're not going to go after like billionaires, right? They're not going to go after like the richest no. people. They're going to go after like people who are, uh, you know, maybe maybe someone who is committing tax fraud on like a, on a lower scale. And, and I think that, that maybe that's like a step in the right direction. But you also, we have 
uh, a lot of people, I, I don't want to sound like a socialist here, because mm. I, I want to call myself a socialist, but I think that there are a lot of people who are way too rich in this country who uh, frankly need to be taxed more. I disagree so, with your statement about the IRS, because I think Joe Biden, uh, he doesn't want to crack down on lower class people. I think he made, I think he's been on the books. We actually looked at some of Biden's promises before, but he wanted to create an offshoring tax penalty. Yeah. Or anyone who wants to offshore jobs. He wants to tax more multinational corporations. I think more the IRS too. And also what passed was uh, any spending under 600, over $600. You had to report to the IRS okay. to make sure. Um, I think, but I think where the IRS agents come in is just enforcing regular tax code that, you know, I, I don't have the stat off the top of my head, but I think the U.S. alone like misses out on a trillion dollars every year in tax revenue that the IRS can't enforce because they don't have enough IRS agents. Like it's really underfunded. Like it's mm. insane. Like we could we could easily hire like two hundred thousand more IRS agents and get another three hundred billion back from it. Um, yeah, because it's just it's that it's literally that crazy because we just don't the government doesn't have enough resources to crack to crack down our business. I, yeah. I mean, that's fair. I, I also think that, I mean, to your point, uh, people, obviously, I, I, we need people, jobs to stay here. We need, I, I, I support like an, an offshore tax penalty. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I see both your argument and my argument. So, um, yeah. yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it gives, it gives more direct power to the government to taxes yeah so, and it, I mean it depends how you feel about taxes in the first place you know right um, if um, you think the government doesn't have the right to you know spend your money it's just I mean I think I think maybe the IRS agents is less less popular than some of the other funding uh, that was in the uh, reflation inflation reduction act like I think I think the 15% corporate minimum tax is much more popular than more IRS agents uh, because there's a deeply ideological view that taxation is theft, you know? In at least 40% of Americans, I think, maybe maybe 30%, but it, it maybe at least 40%, you know? I just think the politics behind IRS agents and raising taxes on billionaire companies, you know? I think, I think there's, <laughs> I think it's a lot less popular. Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Mm, I think it is less popular. Yeah. But I don't know if that means that that's... No. Well, the whole point of that episode is if Biden's presidency has been a success or failure, right? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole point... So, what's the point of his presidency? To best represent Americans, right? Or... Centrist Joe. We're getting into some murky territory. Or do you want? Yeah. Or do you want to? That, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want authoritarian Biden. <laughs> as much as sometimes it's a fun thing to joke about, right? Dark Brandon taking over or whatever. Like, obviously we live in a democracy and we like living in a democracy and we want it to be a democracy. You know, like, uh, it, and and sometimes it, it'll be frustrating. You can't pass certain things, but. Ultimately, um, the system we have works, and I'm I'm glad I live in America. You know, um, it's 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 uh, you know we're all as Americans. I'm going off on a total tangent here, but we're all as Americans, like you know, already 
privilege to be living in this country. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 easy to complain about certain policies and that sort of thing, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, I mean, we have like one of the 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 best infrastructures in the in the world, uh, and I mean, our government's got a huge military that's always going to be there to defend our defend us and the government's interests. So, uh, you know, I I just say that you know we live in America. And as, as bad as, uh, you know, as bad as a, you might think a politician is, at least they're not like, you know, yeah, no, killing no. people in the streets yeah. and that sort of thing. Vladimir Putin. Yeah. It could be much worse. Xi Jinping, Viktor Orban. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can go on. Yeah. Um, but then the, also the Inflation Reduction Act, $400 billion in new climate technology. Um, so that's something we thought was really good in the Build Back Better uh, bill. And then it became law in the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, something, something that I think is really big uh, in America is, uh, and different from many European countries is car ownership. Uh, see, the thing, the thing here is that car ownership is kind of like the everyone like celebrates the first time they get their car, and it's like a ticket into the middle class. And well, it's kind of seen as like more status, you know, in, in, even like as early as high school. But that's, that's really mostly like in rural areas and suburbs. So like, like people who live in their city the whole lives might never have a car. That's true. But I mean, but yeah, to you and me, like getting your car is kind of like a rite of passage and it's like a standard thing everyone does. Yeah. Well, but, I wonder, then I'll ask you how many Americans live in cities compared to the suburbs and the I'm pretty sure, like, what, 70% of Americans own a car? Probably, maybe 80%. Probably, yeah. Maybe yeah. even more. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the thing is, like, you can support, like, high-speed rail and stuff like that. But I almost think it's too idealistic. I just think the infrastructure is too much. You I can't, agree. You can't disrupt capital that No, much. I agree. And I um, think that, that it's not realistic. The United States is so massive and so much stuff is so far spread apart that, like, it... it a rail system like that is just that would be a huge undertaking that's why like what Alex made the point was like there's great the MTA you know New York Boston Washington DC right. more walkable cities but, where but people you don't can need... own a car and only use it like when they go home for Christmas or when they you know when right. they like go to visit their family or something but they still have a metro pass that they use to go to work to get groceries to you know do their daily tasks but people yeah and 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 kind of the opposite of that people don't really need a high-speed rail to go uh from like from their house in the middle of like bumfuck nowhere to the nearest walmart like it it it, you know there's 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 a fine line i think and i think that you know there's there is a little bit of idealism going on there that's why i think the uh the uh, tax credit for six thousand five hundred for a new car and four thousand for a used car, that really um, sparked my interest. Uh, sparked, <laughs> nice pun. Oh, uh, there you go. Because, uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> because uh, that you know I'll probably get a new car in like four or five years from now, and if there you know if there's a nice like. 2015 like Ford Fiesta that's like electric I'd, I'd look into it because if I didn't have to pay for gas and I could just you know charge it for free or for less of a cost you know think about how much money you'd save on even like 
a 30 mile per gallon car compared to like a 25 mile per gallon car comes up to like thousand dollars a year yeah you're looking at what five thousand dollars a year then if it's like a thousand dollars for every five five thousand dollars you can invest in the markets yeah spend yeah and not go to ford or shell oil or you know some of these yeah chevron or some of these corporate techs but then people would say you're spending it at starbucks and amazon and walmart disproportionately uh, well that's the yeah the, if you want to yeah can that's the thing. Consumer spending goes both ways. I'm I, I'm curious. What what's your take on like, uh, the the electric vehicle vehicles sort of taking over? Like, do do you foresee that happening in the next oh, 10, yeah. 20 years? Yeah, I think it's something. I think what the government needs to do and what they're gonna do in Europe is a universal charging port for all electric cars. Uh, government needs to step in right now and make sure that Tesla, Ford, Chevy. Anyone who wants to make an electric car, only one. There have to, there has to be a universal charger if we're gonna, because we can all agree that climate change is something that we need to start working hard to avert, especially in America, because hell, if we're gonna have a fighting chance in Africa and and in these third world countries, we're gonna have to get our shit together here. So I think I think there needs to be, I think we can walk and chew gum at the same time. Like I still. I still think at some points we can drill for more oil. I'm not a big uh, fracking person, but I think that while you know green energy is still in its like baby stages, this 10-year period right now is where we need to be spending more money, where we need to you know kind of step away from neoliberalism and kind of say, you know, we need to tighten our purse strings, tighten our purse strings, but we also need to invest more mm. in some of these technologies. And I think we need to you know. There's a case too that we need to step away from global markets and free markets and try to, you know, be more protectionist. But yeah, what yeah. else did we want to touch on in the end? Inflation Reduction Act. Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, we yeah we can move to Afghanistan. Yeah. So Joe Biden pulled out. What do you Thank think, you. Alex? Um, you know, obviously, we should have. Never been at war in the Middle East, in my opinion. Um, but my opinion shifted on this, but I okay. I well, that's interesting. We could talk about that, but I think that <clears throat> pulling out was the right move. Uh, yeah, that, that that's about it. I mean, people criticize them. They left behind a lot of equipment and stuff, and it was a little bit a little bit sloppy pulling out method. But uh, um, sorry. Um, yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, but yeah, like it, it, you know, obviously it was the right choice. That's what I think. Nah, I think, I think if I was around in 2001, 2002, I totally, I totally would join the bipartisan call to invade Iraq and invade Iran and try to fix, um, Afghanistan. And for, to be clear, we almost did, like we almost, we, we almost got them to surrender. We almost got, you know, those global markets and we almost, you know, had free trade with those countries and we were close to winning those wars. But I think, you know, you can't, you can't take the horse to, you, you can take the horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Um, mm. So I think, I don't know. I think I'm a little, I don't actually think I approve of the pullout now. I, I used to, um, but I think it was really symbolic um, 
I think, you know, I don't, I don't think, you know, the pull out per se, of course, the pull out didn't go as expected. Um, every, every military expert would tell you that it was going to be messy. But I also think, you know, a troop hasn't died there in two or three years. Uh, I think they were at a time of peace. I think America's presence in the region is, is a good thing. Um, Immediately after America left, that's uh, true. Girls that's true. were pulled out of school. The um, Taliban, the took over was back shit. on. Taliban yeah. completely took over, mm-hmm. and that's that's an unfortunate collateral of. That know. is, and if I. But that was, I mean, to to play devil's advocate, that was the the a group in power there. You know, like not not the, the Afghani the government. Taliban. Yeah, but like. Yeah. No matter when we pulled out, I feel like inevitably the Taliban would have attempted to or that's true. But how much how much money were we spending in Afghanistan? We spent a lot they of money, money and we were Com- there for a very long time. And no, 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 you're not listening. No, compared to how much money were we spending in the year 2022 just to keep American troops there and to keep like mm-hmm. in in a working like human rights zone in the middle of Afghanistan that now doesn't exist for millions of Afghan people. Well, that's where I was Were going. You, was yeah, that, how was much? that you, we spent a lot of money and kind of well, now for nothing. We spent a lot of money. Mm, no. Well, we left behind millions and billions of dollars of armor, armed equipment, tanks and guns and machines. But I'm saying how much money was it to actually keep our presence there? I'm not saying the initial uh, invasion. I'm saying how much was it costing the military just to keep shop up in Afghanistan. Oh, so you're saying that it wasn't a huge yeah. expenditure. Like, what's the trade-off? Like, uh, you know, 40 billion, That's 50 fair. billion That's a year. That's fair, yeah. Is it, is it worth... I think it's worth it, and I think a lot of other liberal voters thought it was worth it. Um, so I think I think at the end of the day, actually, Joe Biden kind of, um, when, when he pulls out of Afghanistan, it kind of, um, being that he's a Democratic president, I mean, if Trump did it, I think a lot of people on the right would have loved it. Uh, but I think a lot of people like you know some of the the farther the farther sides of the left, uh, and I think Crystal Ball and Brianna Joy Gray, those kind of people that you know are very against the Democratic establishment, actually you know praised Joe Biden for pulling out of Afghanistan. So I think it was kind of like a far left and far right thing that like the American government mm. wasn't exerting its hegemonic dominance over you know the Middle East, and they were getting out of there. And they were letting sovereignty of the Taliban take over. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I think, I think that's pretty much where the uniting line is. Uh, I don't know if Alex wants to say anything about that. Well, uh, I don't know if their intention was we're going to leave and the Taliban's going to take over. But I'm sure they must have considered that. Yeah, I mean, it was going to happen. <laughs> I mean, like... It, if it wasn't in days, it was going to be weeks or months. But yeah, <laughs> so th- I I guess that that does make me maybe wonder about the timing a little bit. I I do think that it, look Trump wanted to pull him out, right? Look, he Trump did. He's on he's on for ending wars. That was what he ran on in twenty sixteen. Yeah. And if he did it, a lot more Dan Crenshaw, Rand Paul, these people who are more libertarian, they would have fucking loved it. But mm. Joe Biden did it. Nothing. Nothing. And the mainstream media attack him for it, and I, I just don't think it, I just don't think the timing was right. To be honest, I mean, uh, I mean, I don't know when the right time would be. I do no. think that we should have eventually pulled out, 
but I, I can't say when the, the right time to pull out of, of, of Afghanistan would have been. Hmm. See, that would have been my answer a year ago, but now I think we shouldn't have pulled out. And I think if you and I think if you have Alex's opinion on, or this view on this issue, there I don't think there is any right time to pull out. Um, it's always going to end in disaster because it's the Taliban. So so I mean, we just stay just, there forever. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. What is the cost? Forty, fifty billion? Is that just, how, how much is that of our country's GDP? Like think. Think of we. That's we, money that could we be as Americans to, to get have a trading system. Uh, okay, what do you want to spend if, it on? If I'm gonna pull okay. out the conservative argument, we have a lot of problems at home. We have a lot of problems in this country that that forty or fifty million billion could go. That's to. true, but if I want to pull out the conservative argument, you just said life in America is like some of the best life you can live, and we're literally in I a foreign said we're nation lucky to be trying yeah I know but we're in a foreign nation trying to bring American values to this country trying to bring democracy and freedom of private property and stuff that the tell women's rights stuff we we had a zone in Afghanistan where people could go and work and live and not and free from persecution of the Taliban what if that costs 40 50 billion if that costs 0.001% of America's GDP is that not something we should be pursuing? Does that make me an imperialist warmonger? Like I want. It doesn't make you I a warmonger. I think <laughs> it does make you a little bit of an imperialist. Okay, then. I, well, I mean, I'll, I'll take I'm it. not saying that's a bad thing. Obviously, that's good for know, women to have. That's rights. why we have the podcast, right? But <laughs> to discuss. Yeah, but, but I'm just saying, like that's that's. I guess that's kind of where I break from the traditional progressive left. I guess is a little bit on this foreign policy stuff. Yeah, but that's I. I think it's worth it. Um, because you never know 10, 20 years from now what the Taliban's going to look like. I mean, look at how quickly we quashed ISIS, you know, it, from 2016 to now. Like, think about think about how the Taliban could waver, you know, democratic, as long as we... There, there's arguments. I mean... And I mean, I, I, to, to support your argument, if we had stayed there longer, maybe that would have arisen easier. Maybe. That, that's a fair... That's a fair point. And look, if you're someone who's more inclined to support global markets or free trade, if you, Afghanistan, I mean, it's, all these Middle Eastern countries are pretty rich in oil. Like, that's, that's, that's a worthwhile goal while preserving American interest. Mm. Um, and it makes, it makes life better for their country. It makes life better for our country. It's a rising tide that lifts all boats. You know, the world, the liberal, you know, consensus. So... That's fair. Yeah. All right. What do you, what do you want to, chips act? Chips act. So and this sparked the increase of you know semiconductor making, in America and also you know the microchips that we need because, uh, America was very scared about Taiwan in getting invaded by Japan or China because of Nancy Pelosi's visit. Oh yeah, yeah. We we almost forgot. Yeah, but. we almost forgot because people thought that was mm-hmm. people thought that would be a big deal. Yeah, and China was pissed. China. But ultimately, the would they, did they like sanction some family members of hers or something? I don't know yeah, exactly. I think so. I think they had uh, they had military, um, not demonstrations, but they had like uh, they had like guess yeah jets they mobilized and stuff flying, yeah like yeah. doing like practice strikes and stuff like that. Just so um, happened to be doing that when yeah. Nancy Pelosi was. And Joe Biden was like, um, yeah, we'll protect Taiwan no matter what. Uh, he's kind of, he just said it flat out with his chest. And uh, 
Karen uh, Jean-Pierre said that, you know, um, America would not protect Taiwan. But um, it's kind of it's kind of bullshit because literally coming from the horse's mouth. I don't know what I don't I, know what you think. Uh, about that's that, that's another but. thing, kind of a, a segue into another uh, uh, tangent. But I feel like there's a lot of times where Joe Biden says something and the White House or the or the press secretary <laughs> walks it back. Yeah. And then you're like, which one is it really? Because <laughs> obviously, like, honestly, sometimes I don't know. Sometimes I don't know which one I should believe. That's what I wondered. His White House team, they're all on Is it Joe Biden telling the White House team what he thinks should happen? Or is it advisors telling Joe Biden, no, calm down, we're not going to do it that much. Right? Like, you you don't know. Yeah. It's tough. It's crazy. But, yeah, the the CHIPS Act, uh, it passed. It was, what, like 200, 300 billion. Uh, There was a lot of controversy when it passed. Obviously, Bernie Sanders was a no vote, but they got enough Republicans to get it to pass through the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said he voted no on it because he put up an amendment to uh, make sure that all the jobs were uh, union that were coming in. That failed like uh, 80 to 20, or not even 80, to, like 90 to 10, I think. I don't know the exact vote, but I think like Warren voted for it and Sherrod Brown and like a couple other, you know far left members of the radical liberals yeah radical liberals that want unions uh crazy and (laughs) um and then also he wanted to tie agreements to intel and other countries that were going to get other corporations that were going to get these subsidies that they couldn't offshore the jobs in uh 10 15 years because that was the biggest fear um that senators like bernie sanders and Rand paul had were um What's stopping these companies from taking the money, um, just operating in America for five years and then moving moving back to, you know, Mexico or like, right. you know, out of the country again. Mm. So, um, which, hey, I agree with them because, you know, do the labor in Mexico because it's cheaper and then America imports the product here. Uh, anyways, um, mm. free market Andy coming in. Uh, but... Just so, just so you know, uh, but I think, I guess the the whole point of this bill was to kind of stick it to China, you know, at the end of the day. Really? So, I mean, that's, that's the popular position, but then it's also, it's kind of that, um, I'm kind of a little biased in this sense because I am kind of a free market global, globalist, but uh, it's kind of a, you know, you're bringing uh, Clay, New York, for example, it's like an hour from my hometown, uh, right outside of Syracuse. Just got 20,000 new jobs. Of course, it's in Chuck Schumer State. He's the majority leader. Some spoils for you. But they're getting like 90,000 new jobs there. And uh, they're all going to be like, you know, above 60,000. They're all going to be like nice, like even like working, some working class jobs, some four-year degree college jobs, which towns like Syracuse, Rochester, Buffalo, they definitely need some of these towns where people grow grow up in and then the brain drain they leave and they move to big cities so and they leave behind Mm. rochester and buffalo and syracuse so i don't know i don't know how to feel about it we'll we'll see we'll have the benefit of hindsight 10 years from now but i think it's something that's really popular with uh, a majority of americans Uh, yeah that's i mean that's a plus that's a and i think it was something that uh kind of um Look, Democrats did bipartisan infrastructure, bipartisan gun deal. Um, this CHIPS Act was bipartisan. Um, 
It was something that they could kind of stick to these, you know, Republican types on even mainstream media that, that were like in the early days of his administration. There was no clear mandate in the Senate. You may have all chambers of Congress, but there was no clear mandate in the Senate or the House. So you should try to work more bipartisan incrementally. And he did. And he stuck to that promise. And maybe you could say people rewarded him in the midterm election, even though him himself as a policymaker, as a leader of America, not looking too good right now. Mm. Um, his approval ratings are in the, in the, in the shitters still. So maybe you could say it was more of a celebration of the Democratic Party and the repudiation of the Republican Party and take Joe Biden out of the equation. The, the midterms? Well, still, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, I, I would agree with that, I think. So, um, yeah. Um, but, but, I don't know. I mean, CHIPS Act, obviously more jobs in America, more domestic jobs is great. Uh, your, your point about them leaving, that's entirely possible. Um, I don't know wh- how I feel about that. I mean, I, morally versus economically wise, I have two different opinions about that. I mean, one, one hand, one hand, I'm going to argue with myself again, okay? The, the one hand, you've got people who are getting new jobs, better jobs, better benefits, better <clears throat> domestic jobs, whatever. And the other hand, you have... It's cheaper labor if it's not in America. So, I don't know. Well, I think the domestic jobs we should be making at home are more professors, more high-skilled jobs. Um, I think we should have more education in this country, and I think the thing is we should be extracting labor from you know cheaper countries if they can do it. It just makes no sense to do it in America. Yeah. We should if we if we can afford a better way of life here in America. I guess that's more of a nationalistic view, but I mean, no, I agree. There's no, there's no point to be, you know, subsidizing these jobs, unless you want to compete against China and build your sector here at home. I th- then that's where I'm like, okay, and it's also it's two hundred, three hundred billion. It's like one percent of you know the GDP. Like, right. it's something that we can do, and we can give money to these corporations, and they can, you know, have a have a kick with it. You know, yeah. I mean, obviously, Chips Act has bipartisan support, and it was overall pretty much yeah. supported by American people. So, good stuff there. Yeah. So we wanted to touch on to uh, Palestine, uh, the Palestine-Israel conflict. Uh, so, increased funding for the Iron Dome for um, Israel. Yep. Uh, more, uh, more billion. I think it was eight billion dollars to Israel to uh, bolster their military. Uh, the IMF. Um, so, I don't know. Tensions have kind of cooled down since, but they um, had a couple attacks in some of those mocks. Uh, Al Sharik, I think it was, was one of the big ones where uh, like 20, 30 people got injured. Um, it and it happened all during um, what is it? Moon, Munda Ibik, uh, one of the one of the bigger uh, Muslim holidays around Easter time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2021, so I just was thinking, what, what you thought about uh, increased funding for the Iron Dome? I think it, I think it's a great thing, because it protects uh, innocent Israeli citizens against Hamas missiles. Um, it's a, it's a defense, it's a defense um, machine in essence. Uh, it's not a, it's not a 
Mm, it's yeah. not a, um, you know, it's not a, it's not an offensive machine. So I, I, I would support it. You know, if I was a sitting member of Congress, just because I think Israel has the right to defend itself against Hamas per se. Um, I don't know if I would support more funding to Israel. Um, and I think it's a really complicated issue, obviously. I agree. Israel and Palestine. I agree. Because there is, I mean, there is active apartheid going on there. I think, um, I think America does a really poor job of recognizing it, but other European countries, um, even I was listening to The Guardian and a legal expert in the British Parliament said that active apartheid is happening in Israel of Palestinian people. Where they can't they can't get a driver's license they can't live in certain neighborhoods they can't own they can't live in certain neighborhoods they can't work jobs in certain neighborhoods and the democracy there obviously screwed up uh, Netanyahu just you know appointed a new foreign minister who had um, the picture of the mosque shooter Christchurch yeah in his in his house so you know it's not. I mean, it is it is a democracy, but it's not a great, uh, great one. And Netanyahu is definitely not a um, great, <laughs> a great leader in a sense, and he's not a great uh, democratic leader. Um, mm. It was definitely looking better in the nineteen eighties, but it seems to have only gotten worse. Um, so, oh, I think I think I support the Iron Dome, but I don't know about more funding. Uh, I don't know, it just seems like really bad. You know, something could happen in the next 10 years easily. So, and it all depends who the president is because if, say, Ron DeSantis gets in there in 2024, <laughs> Israel will get all the money it wants. Um, I mean, Netanyahu loved when it, they moved the capital back to Jerusalem or the embassy back to Jerusalem for when Donald Trump did it. Yeah. He was literally gushing over it when he was talking to Chuck Todd like a week ago. Yeah, after uh, Trump's recent uh, string of controversies, shall yeah. we stay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, my, my take is that every country should have a right to defend itself. Israel, Palestine is a complicated issue. I, I think I'm with you on we don't need to increase funding there. Uh, but, you know... It is it is tough, and I think that the United States and its and its uh, uh, government officials could benefit from recognizing that it is apartheid and 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 kind of I I, I don't I want I don't want to say uh, you know uh, it, d because there's there's innocent civilians on both sides, but yeah. I think well, look, that you could say in 1948. When the UN proposed a two-state solution, that was too idealistic, and that has screwed us over ever since. Um, yeah. That you know, Pal the Palestinians won the territory; it's theirs. Uh, you know that <laughs> it's not a. It's tough. That's not a, yeah. That's really not a popular statement. Actually, I think a lot of people would say that it's anti-Semitic. But I think where me and Alex want to draw the line is we, we definitely we. We don't want to be Zionist in any way. Mm. Uh, we definitely think that Jews, you know, should have the right to practice their religion. Yeah, everybody should people. have the right to yeah. practice their religion. But this whole, you know, coming of order that, you know, it's the Jewish homeland and that they should, you know, get the territory back from the Palestinians and that there's some religious right. 
when literally evangelicals want to poach the Jews from Israel in the first place because they believe it's their holy land too. That's, That's why Republicans want to help you out so much, wink, wink. Um, but it's, you know, it's just, I think we need to, I think a lot of it is the religion kind of has to go on the back burner a little bit and we have to focus on human rights. I, I agree. I think yeah. politics and human rights and, and international politics I think religion, not just in the United States, but in, in the world as a whole, religion plays way too much of a role in governance. I mean, especially in the Middle East and in, in Asia. And, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I understand how it comes about and I understand why religion is so intertwined with a lot of governments. But I just I think that a lot of countries could benefit from kind of, you know, like what you said, putting it on the back burner. Yeah. You're not going to get any argument from me. Mm, that's resident, something we definitely agree resident on. Resident atheist, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so we also wanted to talk about uh, stock trading. Um, we're going to ban stock trading in Congress. What happened? Yo. Oh, mm. both parties take money from huge donors. Oh, shucks. See you next year. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. You, yeah, basically. That's because, a nice thought. Yep. That's a nice because, thought. look, 70% of Americans would get behind banning... Uh, Congressional members from stock trading, but zero percent of Congress <laughs> people would yeah. in support of that. Well, <laughs> probably mm, more than that, more than zero. But well, look, Ed, I mean, you had, you had what John Ossoff was heading it, um, the bill. You had what thirty Democratic co-sponsors. Um, it's just not. It's never going to get done. Um, kind of, and that's why um, some people would say term limits need to happen in Congress because you literally cannot trust the officials who govern in Congress. I don't know if you heard... I wonder what you think of it. I don't know if you heard um, a few weeks ago, Matt Gates actually was proposing... Did, did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was kind of like, wow, <laughs> yeah. I'm agreeing with Matt Gates. He was but like, right, yeah. I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, term limits, yeah, or... I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I'd feel about an age limit, but definitely term limits would be would be good. Um, I don't. I don't know how I feel about term limits sometimes because uh, I think no? I think um, that maybe I'm a little biased in this uh, partisan wise, but FDR, you know, served four terms, and I think he's the best president ever in American he history. Was, he's good. Um, so I mean, uh, Ronald Ronald Reagan could have served a third term and. I he mean, would have got reelected for a third yeah, year. Yeah, he would have. Obama, even. Obama might have beat Trump. Uh, he left office with pretty high approval ratings, whether that's, you know, well, recognizing, you know, the history of him being the first black president and him maybe kind of a sentimental feeling. And he's a short really good orator. And that, too. Really good. But, I mean, I think... I think I would ultimately like to see... What, what amendment is that? The 23rd Amendment... I would love to see that repealed. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think a majority of Americans. I mean, once you pass the amendment, it's kind of settled. I mean, it's hard to repeal it again. But I mean, if I, you know, if I, <laughs> if I got like a magic pen to go into the Constitution, I would just love to see that repealed because I think it hurts our politics, um, on the, especially on the president level, because mm. then the president's kind of like forced into a more compromising role. Well, let let me propose a, this. No presidential term limits, but term limits for senators or House. What do you think of that? Mm, I I don't think I would support it at the end of the day because no. I think 
I think I'm still optimistic that elections would become publicly funded or we get a new ruling that could overturn citizens. Mm, yeah. Maybe maybe I would support it, but if I mean if Citizens United stays the way it is, if you told me Citizens United is the precedent precedent for the rest of my life, then I would support term limits. But there's still there's still there's still hope in this young heart that mm. one day the campaign Maybe. finance system would will get on par with most European Maybe. nations and be different. And I, 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 I think I'd be with you actually with uh, presidential term limits being maybe, uh, uh, you know, because like for, for a lot of people, even a one term or two term president, you, you are limited in what you can do simply by elections that are not even happening yet. So I think that is a big problem, and it's a big problem with legislation where we have like years or month-long periods where not a lot is getting done simply because it's a lame duck period. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and we could get a lot more done if, it wasn't, if there wasn't that looming, oh, I can't run again, so, yeah. Yeah, you, you know? I also think it's too, it's the, it would change the dynamics of both of the parties. Um, mm. I think you'd see more compromise um, if there was if there was no term limits in the presidency, I think you'd see more compromise if there was more campaign laws because campaign finance laws, because the ultimately there would be an incentive to try to compromise on some of these tougher issues that, you know, I think more Republicans would be in favor of the affordable care act because they wouldn't have these corporations running down their throats and they would actually see that, you know, yeah, 60% of Americans do support doing the barest of bare minimums when it comes to fighting and against, you know. Campaign finance reform is just, something's yeah. gotta, gotta yeah, something's happen. <laughs> gotta happen. I, and this, we were talking about Europe previously and this kind of reminded me of that. What would your take be on, uh, for like in the UK, for example, they'll just you know they'll call a general election sometimes. Like, what would your thoughts mm. be on Congress maybe having that ability to? I've never no. never thought about this in my I, life. I just I thought about that. I don't like that at all. No, at a at a comparative politics perspective, because then I think Trudeau tried to do it. They call these snap elections where they just try to get more seats, and then it doesn't work. And then in a country like America, it's really hard because we have like. I think our, our campaign cycles are already built in where like people know this is when they're going to be employed, when the jobs are snap elections. Like it's so, there's such an industry in campaigning here that it's not in other countries. That's fair. Because they'll, they'll call an election in Britain and the people only have like three weeks to campaign. Like there's no like internal, the TV ads are limited, limited by the government. Um, it's not like that in America, obviously, because of the super PACs. You could literally pop on an ad today about Joe Biden, and you could be from the, you know, the coffee, coffee kills your pack, you know, something like that. And it could be like, Joe Biden's a coffee drinker. You should yeah. be president. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I don't, I don't like, I don't like a partisan being able to call an election. I mm. think the government should be in charge of that. Uh, yeah. Anyways, uh. But no, I'm with you, honestly. I, I, that's just like it's something that popped in my head yeah. as we were talking. So I wanted to take oh, your take on it. This is, oh, circle back to the Inflation Reduction Act. Capping insulin to uh, $35. Right. Yeah, which uh, it's like the average is like $10 in every other country. Yep. But capping it at 35 for people on Medicare and uh, letting Medicare negotiate drug prices, which is like a, saves us like $100 billion. Um, 
The thing was, though, this was the Republican uh, line of attack that Rick Scott had was uh, less money goes into funding for um, research on a new Alzheimer drug or mm. uh, the, the fight against cancer or something like that. Because money, <laughs> because in my cynical opinion, we're taking money away from we're taking money away from the private insurance companies, and we're you know making sure the government is trying to establish the basics here, because we've gone a little bit too da 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 healthcare. It's like there's no elastic demand when it comes to healthcare. So I think at the end of the day, it's nice to have all this like free market and fun like innovation and awesomeness that comes with private health insurance but it's just not the same compared to oil or mining or coal where it's like oh you know people people like need well it's actually bad because people do need heat to live but it's like cereal companies you know it's like oh you know people need cereal to live it's like it's just not the same as healthcare. Mm-hmm. um so that's great you know that you want to fund you know more of this money i mean more you want to have like more research on these developmental drugs um but i mean the only incentive there is to a the only incentive there in the private market is to make the drug right be able to sell it on the private market screw over the american government by the billions to create that profit like some would say moderna and pfizer did with the vaccine which they now want to raise the cost of which they made a fourth booster for isn't that crazy and then the government has to pay them all these subsidies to get access to it when the government actually started Pfizer um, it would, under the Obama administration. So, again, just awesome times in America. Uh, we, we could know, do an episode. We know how farm. to do healthcare. Yeah, it's awesome here. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, what do, you, do you want to say anything else on that? No, I'm good. Okay, cool. Uh, what else do I want to talk about? Oh, Respect for Marriage Act. Mm. So at the time when we wrote this episode, it wasn't done, but now it got done. Yeah. So um, American politics moves fast. Yeah, crazy. So it's an awesome thing that got done. Uh, Technically, it's not uh, codifying same-sex marriage. Um, It's saying that all the same-sex marriages that happened from Obergefell to now are legal up until either Obergefell gets reversed or a new law is passed on the books. Right. So uh, technically, uh, if you if you get married uh, same sex, you're protected for the rest of your life. Technically. Um, yeah, but if there was a new Supreme Court precedent that came down or something, so it didn't solve the deal because there wasn't enough Republicans that could support it. Um, mm. So yeah, um, I mean that's a good, it's a great first step. Uh, that. And, I mean, you can't blame Biden at the end of the day if you're someone on the left because the votes just aren't there. Yeah. And America's not there on that issue yet. Um, even though, well, actually, I 60, would, 70% of Americans I, support gay marriage. I would argue that there's that, that many who support it, and then there's there's also people who don't care either way. Right, yeah, because they vote about economics first or right. well, other issues. Well, you, you can have somebody who votes Republican and also is like... If you're attracted to the same sex, I really don't give a shit. Like, yeah. like people, some people just That's, literally don't care. Yeah, like and they aren't some, supportive, but they don't care. Mm-hmm. And I think that 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 like little uh, uh, niche of people is, I don't know. I, I think that's just another example of like how the Senate is not exactly uh, 
representational of um, the opinions and the Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, well, I'm, I'm spiraling out a little here's, bit. Here's actually the argument I've heard. Trump has been the most pro-gay president for the Republican Party ever because he hasn't been actively seeking out uh, discrimination laws against gays gay for people. Trump. Gays for Trump. Yeah, that's that's the art. Even though transgender military ban, uh, but, but when it when it came to gays and bisexuals and lesbians, because those Republicans just don't acknowledge transgender people. Um, there was no, you know, there was no, like, we're going to attack gay marriage, you know, that, that wasn't, you know, at the forefront of the Trump presidency. No. So that's, that's some, that's some people, that's the case. That's a fair point. I mean, Trump was a progressive Republican. (laughs) Yeah, he didn't pass, like, Doma, like, Bill Clinton. Doma, Um, oh my goodness. (laughs) Then we got Roma. (laughs) Roma, yeah, Let's see. So now, oh, and then Joe Biden just did this like two months ago. Uh, pardon all we defenders. So well, not all we defenders. Or, to a certain, to a certain right. a quantity, yeah. So something we and it was federal do. too. Yeah. Federal. So it's it's not necessarily state. So if you yeah. If so you, it's kind of it's kind of more of a. Uh, sounds nice. Really doesn't do a ton. Yeah, except but it's a good move. Limit forward. some sentences. Yeah, you know? yeah, it did, yeah. it did for some, sure. Yeah. But it could do more, and I'm sure that there will be more legislation like that in the future because marijuana becomes increasingly more of a normalized thing in the country. So, yeah, for the for the better or for the worse, I don't know. Mm. And we could have that. We could have a marijuana yeah. episode. We definitely. I mean, I, if you if you think you'd be, be interested in that, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon and let us know. Yeah, we'd love to hear your input. I I would definitely love to speak about marijuana. Uh, yeah, I kind of I listened to a really good interview um, that kind of changed my opinion a little bit on it. So, oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, I I think the I think some of the negative aspects of marijuana don't get talked about too much. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyways, foreshadowing. Yeah, foreshadow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let us know. Um, I don't think anyone should go to jail for marijuana, but I don't think it's. You this mean like the, the effects on your body? No, on your about? brain. I, no. Well, yeah, yeah like, well, yeah, like internal, yeah. Mm-hmm. not it's, like criminal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Gotcha. yeah, I think, I think there should be a more decriminalizing approach to it, as in, in unless you're like a hard seller, but you know, if you get caught like smoking, I don't think you should go to jail or get yeah. fined for it. I just think you should be in treatment because it is a gateway drug. It is an addictive drug um, at the end of the day, unless government tried to regulate it and tried to, you know, limit the THC use. But uh, there's been a lot of people on the record from the 80s and 70s that it's just not, it's not the same that it was. It's laced even harder. Um, There's about 10,000 deaths a year annually that come from marijuana. Uh, So, I mean. And and people get it from like, less than reputable sources sometimes because it's gray area if it's legal or not and you just go mm-hmm. to some guy's house and you're like hey can i have edibles you have no idea what's in those edibles you're not getting it from like a vendor or anything and i agree that's dangerous could be laced that yeah. sort of thing brain fog that's why sometimes i love to take that same approach when it comes to food or obesity too obesity. epidemic that it is you know 
cardiovascular and disease. something that's very much American. It's, yeah, and it's something that could easily be solved if people just ate the right food. Um, that's that's another yeah. why are fast foods yeah. cheaper than yeah. healthy foods? <laughs> that's a whole other argument, yeah, or exactly. not argument, but a discussion because we right. probably have similar opinions about yeah. that. Which yeah, there should be an incentive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, government government subsidy for eating your greens yeah. for the week. <laughs> your greens, yeah. Stimulus check. Oh my but god. Anyways, back else? to Biden. Back to Biden. Student loan debt. Student loan debt. Tried, got kind of struck down in court, but you know. Yeah. yeah. Probably it won't happen. Uh, it's going to the Supreme Court in February. Uh, won't happen. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, not with our Supreme Court now. Yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna say it's unconstitutional. I mean, basically, took out these loans, you should know that you're going to have to pay them back, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's yeah, effectively pretty much. Yeah. So, And that's a reasonable argument. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, you take out a loan, you should eventually pay it back. Yeah. As much as it sucks. And yeah. But, but there's another side, which is how reasonable is it for people to pay back these loans in the current economy? But that's a... Uh, wow, we're going through a lot of tangents. <laughs> yeah, right yeah, that, yeah. That's that's also a whole other episode. So, mm-hmm. you know. So what else? Are, oh, in record increases in the military budget. Um, I really? I don't know what it was for this year. I don't know the price this year, but I know last year there was a sixty billion dollar increase. He actually increased it more than what the Pentagon wanted. So um. Okay, let's go, Brandon. Yeah, I I don't know. I think. I think having I think we should have the number one funded military in the world. Um, I've kind of shifted on this a little bit. I don't know if like eight hundred billion is the the best. Um, I also don't like the incentive that the military gives um, to people. Um, like go serve in the military and you get your college free. Dude. I just don't think that shouldn't be a thing. I think that's stupid. I think that that entices people who don't know what they're signing up for. Yeah, that too. Yeah. But I just, I I don't know, because it, it is really such a great job creator, obviously. Like, we rely on the military as much as we rely on colleges in some of these towns. So it's almost like, it almost creates another service industry, which is what America has basically become. You know, serving, serving our military, and then we can build a service economy around that. So it's a completely different way of restructuring our economy, which is why I think it keeps getting increased because it, you know, more people will go major in Homeland Security and cyber studies and military and get those kind of degrees and the government can just build more jobs for them and we just keep Keep, moving and up and up and up and up. Yeah, because that's one of the unique things where, I mean, you're never, you're never going to reach a point in the military where you're like, okay, let's stop. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know? No, that won't happen. I mean, look at us already. Yeah. Like, look at the point we're at now. Like, Who knows? 20 years from now, we might try to invade freaking um, Ukraine now. <laughs> we I might try to, about that. We might try to invade Latin America. Or we might try to go in there and try to fix some of these, you know. We might try to invade Cuba or Venezuela. I don't know. I don't know. You, ne- you never know with the American government. Um, you never know who will be elected to. Yeah, I mean, too. next... Two, four, six years, you can kind of have an idea. After that, I have no mm-hmm. clue, absolutely. I have no inkling of I, what yeah. sort of candidates. There will be a huge realignment on the foreign policy front, just because I think 
Americans are kind of we're we're gonna come back from this economic recession and be booming. I think ten fifteen years, it won't be the roaring twenties. It'll be the roaring thirties where mm. we'll kind of we'll we'll be a, we'll be back back on top where we were in the kind of the seventies and eighty in the eighties. Um, so yeah, um, that's when I think foreign policy will come back into the fold because we won't have to worry about America as much and we'll be thinking about hey. Um, you made America great again. Now let's make yeah. the world great. Mm-hmm. That's the that's that'll be the thing. Uh, yeah. So we've had more drilling under the Biden administration, and uh, Biden did tap into OPEC, which is uh, strategic uh, oil reserves. He uh, ended up taking away like eighty percent of it, but we did have lower gas prices, especially here for like. Um, in September and August, it was like three twenty around here, and now it's back up to what, like three ninety three ish. Yeah, yeah. awful. Um, so I don't know. I I I think he could. I don't know. I think he could do a little more drilling. Um, my humble opinion. I don't know. I think I I think actually going back into retrospect, I would have liked to see the Keystone Pipeline uh, get done. Mm. I would like I would like America to invest in too many oil resources and then have too much energy and then Biden go back and be like okay now we can cut. I would like I would yeah I get what you're saying because here's my argument for it and why I think it is a pro climate position because then America <laughs> doesn't have to rely on Russia for oil and then ultimately if you make that case then we wouldn't be in such an economic recession right now. Our economy would be doing better, and we'd have more money to spend on climate climate technology. Right. If we had That's why I think we can chew and walk gum, chew gum and walk. Yeah, we, walk, I know you mean. Walk and chew mean. gum at the same time, yeah. because it's just it just seems so crazy to me that we have to you know stop producing oil just because we're trying to fix climate change. Because I also think. While we can limit our emissions, I also think there's good carbon carbon capture out there that could be used to to prevent climate change. Uh, there's other resources out there. We just need to spend more money on these technologies. We don't know yet until we spend the money and we educate the people and we we do the thing. Mm. So, yeah, yeah. I remember, I think that we, that the ends justify the means to to bring up one of my, my I like to say that but um, I think that having like to say that I do like to say that, like to say that. <laughs> having the energy um, from oil and and kind of having that it's it's bad for that climate right now but if we don't frack people are still going to drive their cars and like, it's yeah. not going to stop people <laughs> driving their cars yeah, yeah. so it might as well be American oil that people are using then we unless have that. We have COVID again. No unless we have there. COVID again. I mean, the ozone layer healed crazy. COVID. So. Maybe that might be. We might have to go to Zoom universities in 2060 and 2070 just to save the climate. Like, could you imagine? Like, stop traveling, stop using car rationing heat because the climate gets that bad. We will see. We will see. We will see what the world is like in 2060. That yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> I, that I can't imagine. We should we should do a video or a, a podcast predicting American mm-hmm. politics in, in twenty yeah twenty thirty years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then also recently this week we had a uh, Biden uh, reversing reversing the vaccine mandate for military. Right. Uh, I I I think it's a good thing. Um, I think um, 
while I think everyone should get the vaccine, uh, people who are least at risk are younger people, and disproportionately the military is made up of younger people. So at the end of the day, I mean, they won't die from it. It might be more severe and they might get long COVID, but hey, it's their choice. So, exactly. And yeah. I, I'm with you. I think that people should get vaccinated, but I also think that there is, uh, you know, they should have the choice, especially if they're, you know, military people. I mean, I, I, you know, if they're serving the country, I think that the least we could do is let them That's true. choose yeah, maybe, if they want. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's obviously it's a, it's a personal choice. I don't know. I, In that situation. I, I don't, I don't think it is a personal choice, but I do think you make a good point about the military. Because I I absolutely loved Biden's policy on the COVID vaccines, making sure that anyone that worked at a place that employs over a hundred people mandatory vaccine, and play and if not, then you had to take a test every one to two weeks. Um, that's that's just look. The science is out. The vaccine is good. You know, ninety percent of people that are in hospitals right now for COVID are unvaccinated. People who are vaccinated suffer less effects from COVID. Uh, there is some protection against contracting COVID. It's not as much as we thought it was, right. but there is still protection against it. I absolutely think the government should mandate that, just like they mandated the measles vaccine, just like they mandated polio, there's, just like they there's, mandated chickenpox. There's actually, um, I believe there's a, a bill in the New York State uh, either Senate or the, uh, it might be the State Senate, but... Uh, about um, mandating it in schools, like a, mm-hmm. a mandatory immunization for COVID. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't know if, it, I don't think it's passed yet or anything like that. But, I don't think it has either, but um, hopefully it does. I agree. I think that co- schools are like a primary spreading ground for that. And well, it might not be dangerous for students. They go home and see grandma yeah. and grandpa. And then, uh, but I mean, I think it's important to point out that, uh, you know, COVID for the past, I mean, 2020, 2021, 2022 has been the third leading cause of death in the United States, like consistently for those three years. You know, what I was gonna, it is important to point out that I actually think a lot of people disagree with us on this issue that we're getting rid of the vaccine requirement is actually more popular than requiring it. I think if you polled Americans right now, I think it would be like 55, 45 or like something in favor there. of in favor mandating of not it? having no, in favor no of not mandate. Having mandate. because I, I just think in America, it's different. The same thing with the IRS agents. Whenever the government wants to enforce you to do something, people don't like that. a lot of listeners. People don't just, like that. Whoa. Yeah. Get, well, so I think, I, I think that's a success. I think that's good bipartisan compromise with Republicans acknowledging that, you have the freedom of choice from government. I think that's something that a lot of Americans agree with, even though I disagree with it, and I think you do too. Well, um, I think, mm, I don't know. I think people should be able to choose if they get the COVID vaccine. You think so? I think that it might be, I, I wouldn't be opposed to that being a mandatory immunization for kids. Hmm. Although, I'm arguing with myself again, I mean, it's it's only been around for like one and a half ish years, and they haven't really tested it on children that much. So, but that now we're getting a little anti-vaxxer. I am not no, an anti-vaxxer. I, they I have the that. right dose sizes. No, they have tested. Yeah. Okay, Alex. <laughs> I'm just putting all the all the opinions on the I table know. here. I'm just saying, you know, some people some people would say, you know, but. 
I, I am definitely, I think I'm in favor for, uh, you know, vaccinating COVID because you don't want to get it and, uh, and die. Hmm? You want to just move on? Just Supreme yeah. Court? Yeah. 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 Let's get out of the okay. little vaccine. So pit. then we want to talk about the Supreme Court under Biden. So Biden had a commission uh, on the Supreme Court in uh, summer of 2021. Um, didn't really, you know, he really hasn't made any proposals about it. I think he just kind of let Jackson v. Dobbs happen, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, for anyone who doesn't know, and uh, just kind of, you know, just kind of let it, you know, evaporate out of the news cycle. Um, and he really didn't say anything about New York State versus Bruin, uh, New York State Rifle Association versus Bruin, which no. for those of you who don't know, uh, made it so uh, states like New York, Massachusetts, and uh, four other states who have um, required you to get a permit to uh, carry a handgun or own a handgun in the home, uh, made that requirement go away. Um, and New York, for instance, was really using it as a deterrent of anyone having a handgun because you couldn't just request it for self-defense. Uh, you had to have uh, you had to have a legitimate purpose for it. Uh, you couldn't just write self-defense. Uh, it had to be like a really special need. So the court found that unconstitutional. Um, so again, uh, do we pack the Supreme Court? Um, I mean, Biden has Biden, not yet. Yeah, thirty. I do of find Americans. it interesting that during the twenty twenty debates, he would not say no that he wasn't going to do it. Mm. I don't know if that was a trying to get more voters thing or if that was a he genuinely might do it. I don't really honestly foresee him doing that, but you never know. Yeah, I don't see him doing it either. But I think, um, what, do, what do I think? Oh, I know that 30% of Americans, you know, approve of packing the Supreme Court. So I think Biden has kind of handled the court perfectly uh, in a sense that he hasn't touched it. And uh, Republicans really don't have any great arguments against, against Democrats that they've kind of, you know, provoked the court. When I... What I do think Biden has done really well from the perspective of the Democratic Party is uh, get Stephen Breyer out of there and put in uh, Ketanji Brown-Jackson. Uh, that's huge. Um, replacing an 80-year-old with a 50-year-old, uh, that's like guaranteed uh, 30 more years. Uh, it's something that if you're a Democrat, you love, and if you're a Republican, you hate. But mm. um, yeah, um, I, I don't know. I just also first black woman Supreme Court justice. Uh, it's a big thing. Um, but I don't know what the solution is for the Supreme Court, you know? I don't know if it's something we even dare to touch. Um, I think it's... Uh, I, I honestly think as someone who, you know, wants to see more change in the Supreme Court, we just keep... Biden just keep throwing executive orders at him. You keep passing good laws and you keep waiting for the Supreme Court to strike it down like they did with Roe v. Wade, and you wait for the voters to turn out. Um, that's what I think intimidates the court a lot, is a public opinion. Mm. Um, and public opinion for the past, ever since they turned it over, I mean, mm. a right. lot of people are not lows, right? fans of the Supreme yeah. Court at the moment. So, Especially right after they overturned it. Yeah. So, because it's 50 years of precedent, and it just makes us an outlier on abortion. It um, does. So, which is just not a good thing. So, 
I don't know. Packet? Probably not. Um, I don't know if I would support... I'd, last year, if I was making this episode, I'd say, oh, I'd support like an equal number of Republicans and an equal number of Democrats on the Supreme Court. Or I would support like uh, nine nonpartisan figures. The but Court. then it becomes a little bit kind of like but what happens what's... with the Senate. Huh? Kind of a little bit like what happens with the Senate, but also, I don't know. So you're saying like 5-5? Five, five? Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, ideally, that would be, yeah. It'd be interesting. I don't know. I don't know what I think of that. Yeah. And have, like, you know, a far-left judge and a far-right judge and, you know, have, like, the ideological equivalencies. But, um, I don't know. I think think the Supreme Court is different from the Senate or the House. I agree, yeah. I I didn't mean to compare, obviously, the two different branches Mm -hmm. of the government. I was just saying, you know, because Senate experiences a lot of gridlock, so... I do think the Federalist Society is not great um, editorial, but uh, and I do think most Democratic judges are more qualified than Republican judges, especially Amy Coney Barrett when she really broke the glass ceiling as the first judge not from an Ivy League school. So uh, congrats on that. Um, but uh, I do I do think at the end of the day that um, you really you really can't just trust you really can't just touch the courts. And I think Biden gains a lot of trust with the American people by just not touching it. Um, I think he gains a lot of respect from some of those Republicans and independents out and, there. And by not touching it, that's another one more thing to run on 24. Is, yeah. You know, we you know, didn't touch the Supreme Court, even though we didn't like the other decisions. Right. We disagree with them, but we still respect them. Uh, the uh, you know, so respect the, uh, the court of law and everything. So. Yeah. So, stuff Biden still needs to do. Whoa. Uh, there's quite a list. We've yeah. got a few things, but there's there's a lot more. Yeah, there's a lot more. He's made a lot of promises from yeah. since 2020. He's Brandonian. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, healthcare, uh, he promised a public option. There's been... Very no, little discussion. Actually. Yeah, very little discussion. It's actually been more COBRA subsidies, more uh, private health insurance subsidies. So we're actually going in the wrong direction on that. So we'd love to see that, and a majority of Americans would love to see that too. Um, Public option. Yeah. Uh, fixed economy. Um, well, not going great right now. Yeah, not going great, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> going great as of right now. Yeah. I mean, at, we're recording this December 7th, 2022, so it might be different by the time you listen to this. But Yeah. Uh, I mean, veteran stock care. Market, stock market. Stock market. Was, yeah. I mean, oh, there's... It just looks like um, more austerity, really. Um, that's what that's what that's what's uh, if you're you know believe in that neoliberal uh, framing of economics, you know, two years of a divided government where not much is gonna pass, where Joe Biden's looking to balance the books. Um, looks like it's gonna be you know more austerity and then hopefully a change election in twenty twenty four. Where if you're a Democrat, you want to see more Democratic principles be enacted. Or if you're a Republican, you want, you know, more Republican principles enacted. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think that's what's happening in other countries, too. Like England. Uh, like Canada. So. Yeah. What else? Um, reparations. Yeah. Uh, reparations. We got a. Biden was supposed to get a commission to talk about reparations. Uh, never happened. 
I think I think they had a law in the house, and I think it passed, and then it never, just mm-hmm. never was going to go to the Senate. Um, yeah. the, actually, that's a really cool debate to watch is when they debated it in the house. Um, some of those, some of the Republican talking points were a little crazy. Um, yeah, as you can imagine. As um, I can, yes. Yeah, not hard to imagine. Yeah, that's, Virginia Fox, uh, Byron Byron Donald, uh, he's a black uh, congressman from Florida. He's a Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know some of those identity politics that the Republicans like to play. Um, what else do we want to get at? The Hyde Amendment. Um, Obviously, still on the books because of Joe Manchin. Thank you, Joe Manchin. Uh, that makes sure that uh, no federal funding goes to abortion care, um, which is a little bit harder to do now anyways because Roe v. Wade isn't supported in all 50 states. So, uh, Hyde Amendment is still on the books. Um, I mean, not great if you believe you know that a woman's right to choose is something that should be upheld. The death penalty... Um, while Joe Biden wants to get rid of it, um, he needs 60 votes in the Senate. Uh, just won't happen. Nope. And uh, the uh, case law in the Supreme Court is not on its side. Uh, there's now, dating back to 1976, I think, after it was, uh, after the death penalty was illegal for three months, and then they ruled it was legal again. <laughs> but now there's like, I think there's four or five cases from 1980s and on that proof that the death penalty is not um what what is the what is the the eighth amendment the uh, cruel and unusual punishment mm. uh proves that it's not that so um i disagree with that i think alex disagrees with that i actually i don't know i think it's some very rare cases uh i would like to see the death penalty uh, me and Alex were talking about this with we school were. shooters. Actually, yeah, my initial position was pro-death penalty, but then you were like, isn't it like worse to have to sit in a prison cell for, you know, for your entire life? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, that, that borders on cruel and unusual. But also, cruel and unusual is, you know, mass shootings. Committing a mass yeah, shooting is mm-hmm. very cruel. Ooh, yeah. To more than the people you shoot, to their families, their friends. And yeah, it, it's it's... Really awful stuff. Okay, eye for an eye, Hammurabi's code. I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's no, that's an interesting argument because I think uh, also my other uh, argument uh, against the death penalty is it, it costs a lot more to sentence someone to death than to just let them, you know, ride well, it out in jail. Well, yeah, but there are ways to sentence someone to death that aren't expensive. Mm, no, it's still it's still more. Uh, could, uh, well, I'm maybe, saying alternative, alternative methods. Mm, nah. Well, the the alternative methods aren't legal. Like you just have to like. Well, for now. Them. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> for now yeah. I'm going way. When off. you're president, yeah. I'm going way <laughs> off the deep end. I uh, yeah. Oh, also just uh, playing devil's advocate. Something I really support: uh, community police services uh, funding. Uh, I think I think it's something that is uh, good for police that uh, we should do. And uh, college, um, Joe Biden, uh, increased Pell Grants, something that's awesome. Um, the poorest people should have the right to an education in America. Um, but, uh, you know, I think at least two year, at least uh, community colleges should be tuition free. I don't know about four year, maybe, maybe public. I don't know. I'm, sometimes I'm still on the fence about that uh, and that. 
maybe make it free for people who are making under 125000 a year, which is Joe Biden's plan. Bernie Sanders is making it free for everyone, which I don't agree with because um, you, we need the revenue from the rich people. Uh, we're missing out on tons of revenue. So even though he would argue that the administrative costs are sometimes going to outweigh the revenue, uh, it doesn't. But he then he would also argue that the administrative barriers that poor people have to jump through are a little bit harder for the rich. Yeah. Which I, hmm, I sometimes I don't buy that argument, uh, especially to they make that same <coughs> argument when it comes to voting, which Joe Biden still hasn't done anything about because he can't. Um, they tried. We talked about it in our last episode. You know, trying to amend any voting rights bill to fifty votes in the Senate, but. I'm kind of also glad they didn't do that either. Because imagine if Republicans got that and then they instituted, you know, like, I don't know, like gay, you know, something like, you uh, know, you never know. That's you do thing. never know. The, wind, the winds blow in other directions. That's why, that's why good institutions are sometimes better than some policy goals. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, what else? Oh, last thing. Increase the refugee cap for 2021 because of Ukraine. Some would say cynically, even though we could take in more Palestinians, more people from Africa, more people from the southern border. Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, Middle East too. Yep. So, I think we're going to end it there. It yep. was a long episode, but uh, <laughs> we just wanted to cover, you know, all the stuff Biden has done. And, uh, yeah. What so. do you what do you think if you could grade the Biden presidency right now? Oh. Uh, in your own opinion and then for America as a whole. In my own opinion. Okay. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. So, uh, in my opinion, I think that, I mean, you know, the Inflation Reduction Act, you have obviously an improvement from Trump. I mean, 2021 kind of starting to get COVID more managed than it was, I feel, under Trump. Um, so, I think there were a lot of positives, but he also didn't there, there was there was a lot of things that were lacking uh, but for America I think that Biden has he's passed some good stuff he's kind of uh, went back to this kind of like Obama ish era of like normalcy in the White House that in Trump's presidency and I, I hate to keep making comparison but Trump's presidency was so much more uh, tumultuous and chaotic even before COVID uh, and I feel that Biden's kind of a little bit more steady, steady the ship, and he's, he's uh, maybe maybe someone Americans can look to with more you know, calm, uh, at least in my opinion. So I think he's been good for the country. I think that he definitely is okay in my opinion. I mean, I I obviously prefer Biden to Trump, uh, any day of the week, but um, I just think that there's a lot more he could do and could have done. Yeah. What about you? What's your grade? What like like a yeah, letter like letter grades? grades? Yeah, yeah. Letter grades? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, for for me, I'd give him like a I don't know like a C. Okay. For America, like a, a B minus. No, I think I'd give him a B minus. I think I'd do C plus for um, how in my opinion, and I think a B plus for America. I think. Uh, I think I think um, it depends if he gets a second term in office, but I think we'll see. He, I think he easily could be in the top 15 of best presidents. Um, just because I think, just because he ran on this kind of uh, unity platform, uh, he kind of takes over in a unique moment. 
and he's kind of brought a lull to American politics, you know, after, mm-hmm. after all the Trump years, all the craziness, it's kind of gone back to the way things were. Uh, it's kind of tough with the war in Ukraine and this economic recession, but he's also taken over at a time where the Supreme Court is at a record low. You know, we talked about Roe v. Wade going back. Democracy is under attack. Um, and he's kind of steered the ship as a pro-democracy. Um, he's been really good against fascist sentiments, something that, you know, a, a lot of Americans can get behind. That's where he's his strongest. Um, so I think I think he's definitely done better than Obama, uh, even in these first two years. Mm-hmm. Even with Obama's supermajority in the Senate, uh, he's gotten a lot more done. And I just think... Um, it, it all depends on how 2024 goes. If he keeps the Senate and he wins back the House, I'm, I'm really optimistic. And I think, I think it's just, you know, winning the hearts and minds of middle America. Because, look, he's got <laughs> me and Alex, we're on the left. We're voting for Biden uh, no matter what. We'll, we'll eat dog shit. Because um, no <laughs> we ain't voting for Trump. Look, it's that simple. It so, would take a lot look, to get me I mean, to vote for Trump. We're kind of, this is kind of our mask off moment. But I mean, like... Look, Biden just has to do better with working class Americans, with middle America, with uh, has to increase youth voter turnout. That's also a key to his success. But he has a lot of coalitions that he has to manage right now. So I definitely give him a B plus for America because he's he's doing the best he can in a unique situation. And my B plus is also optimistic. I don't know, maybe right now if he's a one-term president, it kind of turns into a B or B-minus, like Alex was saying. But I think his potential is, this, the sky's the limit. I mean, I think I think there's a way that he comes out, he becomes a two-term president, and by 2028, we're back on top again, and our growth numbers are insane, and we make more innovations in tech, and yeah. maybe automated driving, and you know, something. Electric vehicles. Yeah, electric vehicles. I mean, yeah, tw- depending entirely on 2024 and 2026, we could no have- No one saw the internet coming. And then we just, could have a lot of, lot, yeah. there's a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential. Cancer, you never know. I mean, that's just if he, if, his, if If cancer gets cured during his administration, I mean, that's something to run on. You never know. I'm, I tend to be more optimistic. Than yeah, you know, you can you can always hope. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's. I think that's where we'll end the episode. If you enjoyed, of course, leave a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Our next episode will be premium, so that'll only be on Patreon. Three dollars a month gets you every other episode we record. That'll be our current events episode. So you're gonna want to watch that episode or listen to that episode. Uh, it's going to be a really fun time. We're going to be discussing all the Supreme Court cases that are getting uh, discussed this week, along with uh, Trump trying to terminate the U.S. Constitution. We're talk about the the uh, the runoff. We're going to talk touch on some U.K. politics as well. There's going to be a wide variety of stuff, and I know me and Michael are both excited Maybe, to discuss uh, that. Canada, euthanasia. Canada. We'll oh yeah. Talk about oh yeah. That that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a, that was quite an interesting. Anyways. COP27, too, the Global Climate Conference. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Loss and Damage Fund. Lots of stuff. A lot of stuff to happen. So, we hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, this is the 11th episode on Understanding Politics podcast. Uh, we hope to do many more to come. And if you like us, subscribe to Patreon. Got anything else to say, Alex? Yeah, just uh, we appreciate listening so far, and we hope you enjoy what we're doing. And, you know, we love feedback, so yeah, that's about it. See you Sunday. Yep, we'll see you.